Today I want to share with you guys um, a vision. I want to cast a vision uh, for our pulpit uh, for the whole of this year. I want to cast a vision for being part of SIBKL at Sungai Bulo for 2022. So, in other words, if you are part of SIBKL at Sungai Bulo, and we've got new visitors, right? Today we have a, 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 a sister who's joined us for the first time. She Googled us and found us. Can you imagine that? You can actually Google us and find us. I didn't know that. <laughs> like, I, I didn't even know we got an SEO game. Not bad, right? Um, uh, so, so today, I want to cast a vision. Um, the vision that the Lord has been laying in my heart throughout the last year even um, for where He wants to take us this year, how He wants to grow us this year. And so, if you are visiting with us, today is all about um, how, how you are going to grow in the Lord um, how we as a church are going to journey uh, together as we step into 2022, you know, and today is, an, in a way, a bit like a theological primer, right? The basis, the backbone of how the Lord uh, uh, is going to use each and every one of us and, and grow us, right? How if you, So in other words, in other words, if you stay in Sungai Buloh Church, in SIBKL at Sungai Buloh, rather than wander off into churchless or, wander, or whatever it may be, okay, how will you be like by January the 2nd of 23? Okay, today's sermon will give you a glimpse. If you plug in, you stay involved, you show up in church, you show up for yourself every weekend, you show up for yourself on the Monday and on the Tuesday as well. And as we grow together, I want to show you and cast a vision for you so that you can see yourself in 2023 and what kind of follower of Jesus you will be. And today, I want to frame all of this around a sermon to enti entitled the king and I, okay? The king and I. Now, uh, today, to this year, this year, I want to bring, I want us to see and bring us all into the idea, uh, uh, the truth. It's not just an idea because there are lots of ideas, okay? But it's, uh, it's a truth and a reality that when Jesus came and his earthly ministry uh, 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 started, something very important took place. And that something that very important that took place is that he, he inaugurated the arrival of his kingdom. If you read the Gospels, you will see it happen very frequently where Jesus will express it this way. If such and such has taken place, it means the kingdom of God is upon you. The kingdom of heaven is here. It means that the kingdom of God is now in your midst. He will say this over and over again. What does it mean? Now, it's, it's very timely for us to start thinking about Jesus as a king, Jesus inaugurating an earthly kingdom now at the start of the year. Why? Because we have just come out of a Christmas season where we talked about the, our whole Advent series was in many ways about waiting for that king. And a whole nation waited for a king to come. A whole people waited for a saviour to come. And so when he comes, what happens? And we all know that some people awaited for a political leader to come and set them free uh, from the oppression of Roman uh, uh, tyranny, right? Did that happen? 
No, not at all. Not quite in the way that was expected. And today, let's get into this, right? Because we're going to see what Jesus means when he comes to establish his new kingdom. Christmas, Advent, birth of Jesus, he grows up. He's 30. He comes and begins his ministry. I'm going to drop you in on Luke chapter 4. This is immediately after his baptism. And if you see verse 14, it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. This is in the context of having just gone through his baptism. And we remember at the baptism of Jesus with John the Baptist, his cousin, a beloved, like closest of kin, right, uh, uh, to him in, in, in some ways, in, in spirit as well, because, you know, uh, uh, John Baptist leapt in the womb, right? Um, or rather, yeah, John the Baptist leapt in the womb. When uh, 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 and so and so, this is a cousin who is very close to Jesus. He just got baptized, and Luke fourteen, right? Jesus is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read this text for you. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to now, now verse 15, he taught in the synagogues, being glorified by all. Later, we're going to see this verse 15 expanded into the first some six chapters of no, the first X number of chapters, right, of Mark. Okay, you're going to see like, wow, what really happened there? Okay, you're going to see that really open up, right? Now, verse 16, And he came to Nazareth, his kampong, right, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up and read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. So this is not his choice, huh? People give him one, but of course, we know he's sovereign, right? So in, in some, some really high level, it is, his, it is his choice and it is his ordaining, okay? But it's not like he walked in and he said, I want Isaiah, give me Isaiah, right? Someone presented it to him. What typically would be is that they would have a standard reading and they happen to land on Isaiah 61 on that day in the synagogue. He unrolled the scroll, found the place where it was written. And what was written? So look at the next slide. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Remember verse 14? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news for the poor, to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Somebody say amen to the year of the Lord's favor. Come on online. Do you guys want to see the year of the Lord's favor? If you want to see the year of the Lord's favor, can I hear an amen? For you guys online, I want to see your amen on the chat because as you declare it, you are coming into agreement with the reality that this is the year of the Lord's favor. I'll articulate that in a moment. But if you believe in it, and, and that, is, that is true for you as well physically, I want to hear an amen from you guys in the house. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, full stop. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And all the eyes, the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. 
and in a posture of sitting. That's how they teach, right? The Jew Jewish rabbis will sit down and teach. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Booms. Wow. This is like, this is really like the boss, okay? Like, like I, I, I love this because <laughs> on, on a very carnal level, Jesus has so much, so much mojo in this, in this uh, verse, right? Um, and, and, and it's like massive mic drop moment. But really, it's, it's not just the mic drop moment, right? He sits down and he says, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. When... And if you are a Jew in that synagogue in some 30 AD, right? You must be thinking, wait a minute. No, 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 no. This is Isaiah. This is a re reference to the book of Isaiah chapter 61. The, the setting of captives free. We are not, set, we are not captives anymore. That was, that was like before Babylon took place, right? If you're, if you're listening and you are in Jesus' time, you'll be saying, no, no, it's been 500 years since we've been prisoners, since we've been slaves, since we've been in captivity. What do you mean today, this scripture? No, no, this scripture was fulfilled when Nehemiah and Ezra and, and all those friends came back to the promised land, right? Why do you want to claim credit now? Like, why? What's going on? Jesus says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And so, what does it mean for them to come back to the promised land? Captivity in Babylon is done. They are back in the promised land and still in the 500 years in between. Okay? It wasn't really fulfilled. It was only maybe partially, partial fulfillment or maybe fulfilled in some shadow type of way. But the real fulfillment was when Jesus showed up. So now you go back to Isaiah 61, you read this declaration again and you think, oh, I can't read this in, 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 in physical lenses anymore, right? Now, like in the past, you read, to, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. You see captives, you hear captivity. You hear Babylon. You should anyway. Right? If you're a good student of the Bible and SIBKL at Sungai Bulo, I know you're a very good student of the Bibles, okay? Uh, so if you see the word captives, you hear captivity, you hear Babylon, you might even trace back and you hear Egypt, right? That, that's kind of like how we think. And then you think, no, it's not just about being set free from Egypt, being set free from Babylon. And actually, if you spent a moment to think about it, you and I would agree, right? They left Egypt, but Egypt didn't leave them. They left Babylon, and now he's saying it took 500 years, and now, now this scripture is being fulfilled. By the way, this word captives, in some of your translations, it may say prisoners. Uh, uh, I, I love this because it immediately triggers. When you hear captives, it immediately triggers you to think of the captivity. This is Jesus's, if you can call it, emancipation proclamation, right? This is his landing announcement. This is his big, big speech, his, 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 uh, his, his big stump, right? His big moment. So, let's look at what this means. For Jesus to say this, he is declaring that there is a new order taking place in the land, right? Because now, whatever you thought this verse meant, 
didn't really mean what you thought it meant. It's going to mean something that's happening now and throughout his ministry, you're going to see what it means for good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, sight to the blind, and liberty to those who are oppressed. And I'm going to take you into this in two movements. The first one, if we go back one slide, is kingdom explosion. The kingdom breaks in and then secondly, I'm going to take you into a deeper level, a, a, a more inner level of spiritual formation. And both these things dovetail. Okay, sorry, I just bumped into the microphone. I hope it wasn't a big bump for you. Okay, both these things dovetail together. A kingdom explosion, which is very much of an outward uh, uh, thing, inside breaking out, and then a spiritual formation, which is God breaking into your heart at the same time. So, with that, let's look and, and break down what Jesus said in his proclamation. Okay? I've, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Right? Now, remember, I just want to back up just a little bit. Right? He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has anointed me at baptism. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. One. Liberty to captives. Two. Recovering of sight to the blind is three. Liberty to the oppressed is four. And two, proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now, let's work with the last one first. What does the year of the Lord's favour mean? Online, I know some of you guys, you're already triggered. You hear year of Lord favour, you immediately think of one word, what is that one word? I want you to type it out. What is that one word? The year of the Lord's favour. It's one word. It starts with J. Jubilee. Jubilee. Well, physical got to it, right? Okay. Jubilee. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. When you hear the proclamation of the year of the Lord's favour, it is Jubilee. What is Jubilee? Now, if you were with us... Um, uh, last year, um, I, I shared with you guys about Jubilee in a sermon entitled Sabbath is about the Lord or something like that. You can go to, to, to YouTube, type in our church name and Sabbath uh, a sermon and you will, you, you'll find that, right? Sabbath is about letting go. That's the name of the sermon, right? So so maybe maybe the Connect team can go dig up that, that link and then drop it in, right? I'm improvising here. Um, and in that in that, in that sermon, I shared with you how Sabbath is about every six days and the seventh day you rest, right? And every um, six years and then on the seventh year, you give the land rest, right? You give the land rest. And every, every round of seven years, on the seventh cycle of seven years, then the 50th, 49 already, then on the 50th year, that is called Jubilee. It is now, Jesus is calling it the year of the Lord's favour. Or Isaiah was calling it the year of the Lord's favour. And that means on the 50th year, the Jubilee year, you do a few things. Of course, you do all the usual things. You set the land to rest as you would every seventh year. But on the Jubilee year, you set captives free. You set your slaves free. You reset all of the economic imbalances because 
over time people owe you money or maybe you owe people money and then you can't pay up then you go and work for them you become part of their serfdom right you become part of their 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 workforce in order to pay off your debts you become a slave to that person or it could be the other way around you 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 fell in good times you know and then you accumulated a few people who owe it to you right by the jubilee year you have to set their whole family off and free right they become free men and women again now that is a picture god gave us that picture from the time of of uh, from from the time of the mosaic law right why it is there to preempt this this so in other words this is not for that that was for this jubilee for all those years was there to to, to prepare the people of god to be able to say that this is the real jubilee this is the final jubilee so all the jubilees of the 50th year and 50th year whether they observed it and they really set their captives free or whether they didn't and they and, and they didn't to the disobedience against god regardless all of those years was there in order to prepare god's people for the final actual most real most tangible jubilee which is the arrival of jesus and the true good news to the poor liberty to the captives recovering of sight to the blind liberty to the oppressed right so i want us to look at these four things in the context of true liberty and true setting of captives free by the way it hit me sometime last year that every every gen that only one generation of of god's people experienced the exodus right which generation the generation that came out from egypt but exodus is such an important picture right it's such an important picture that setting slaves free slaves finally get to leave their oppressor walk out as free men and women go through the sea right now one generation got to see that and then since then they tell story law how else are they going to do it it's not like they have youtube they can play the thing back again right uh, oh this was my insta story uh, when i was walking through uh, 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 the sea they don't have that they have to tell stories but what physical tangible picture can god give the people of israel so that in the thousands of years between exodus and jesus that they can regularly in fact every person in their typical lifespan will experience exodus once in their life not just here you hear every year man. you experience exodus once in your life god gave them jubilee so that typically in a 50 year span typically everybody should experience jubilee once whether you experience it as a child and then you die or you never experience it until you're old and you die at some point if you live a typical life you experience jubilee once and you can say to your children after you that i've experienced exodus because jubilee was like a micro exodus right and so all of that whether it's exodus or the 50-year jubilee all of that is building up to the coming of Jesus, the breaking in of his kingdom and, uh, and the work he's going to do around us and in us. Good news to the poor. My friends, poor people don't get good news. If you're a poor person, poor people don't get good news. But then when Jesus comes, suddenly there is good news to the poor. We know this. We know this because, because my friends, just three weeks ago, 
we were hit by some of the worst floods I've seen in my lifetime and maybe for many of us in our lifetime. And you and I know, if you're in a B40, you are worse hit, right? Um, uh, I know stories of people whose car is completely written off, house totally filled up, electrical wiring, everything hancho completely gone they have to re look we've renovated our houses we know just to rewire your electricity you burn you cry already right and this b40 their whole house electricity gone right barang all gone like i i've got i've been getting texts from people saying that uh uh, uh tolong you know uh maubali pampas um uh Mau susu you know um just help a little bit now my friends if you are, if you have, live with very little means, you don't get good news. Anything that happens, you know, you catch any anybody sneeze in the world, right? You catch the cold worse, right? That's what happens. But Jesus comes and says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Right? And if you can just uh, think about this for a moment, how is it that the poor have good news shared to them? It works like this. In the world, the structure of the world, if you have access, if you have resource, if you have power, if you have connections, typically all of the attributes that make up who you are make you the top apex predator and it positions you to succeed in that system of the world. Look, this is not like... like rocket science, right? We all know this, right? If you have access, you have resource, you have power, you have connections, it sets you up to continue doing well. And if you are at the opposite end of, uh, of the spectrum, it's hard. It's hard because everything, whatever little you get, it seems to be to go away from you so easily. Now, Jesus comes and he flips the whole thing over. He says... Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, poor in spirit doesn't mean blessed are the poor, okay? It just means blessed are the poor in spirit. But the slide before this, so if you can go to the slide before this first, he says good news is going to be preached to the poor. Why? Because in this kingdom that Jesus is inaugurating, there is a different law at work, a different so-called law of physics, right? Because in the former law of physics, the law of the world, in the law of the world, if you are self-sustaining, if you are uh, uh, self-motivated, if you're strong, if you have access and all these things, you are the apex predator, right? And so you have more access. Now, if you are not, then that, what Jesus does, he flips the whole thing over and says that all of you who are desperate, all of you who acknowledge that you have nothing, all of you who know that if you don't get help from outside, you're finished. And frankly, not many of us in SIBKL at Sungai Bulo live like that at that level of hand-to-mouth and daily desperation, okay? Because um, I, I know all of us, you know, um, I know most of us. And then recently, I've been in touch with a lot of people who are literally living from hand-to-mouth. I know that there's some of the stories I'm hearing is nothing like what, we are, what we're experiencing, but I don't want to go into that. I really want to say that if you know that every day you're in desperate, active constant need of a help and a saviour from outside. If not, you perish. Jesus says, those people have first access to me. Why? Why? Because there are no walls in their heart. 
because there is no there, there is there is no there is no barrier of how they are to themselves and and a self-sufficiency and that's why that is precisely um, the articulation of good news to the poor is that he says it in Matthew chapter 5 blessed are the poor in spirit and what does blessed are the poor in spirit mean? It means that when you know you are spiritually bankrupt, when you know that there is nothing you can bring to the table of your own righteousness, of your own effort, of your own whatever, okay, that is adequate uh, um, to make you in life, but actually it is God. You bring your best and God tops up. And that's not to say that you don't bring anything. We all want to show up for ourselves, right? Every day um, uh, when we wake up, whether it's for church, you show up for church, whether it's for, you show up for work, and when you're in your own space, you show up for yourself. You do bring your best. But know that in spite of you bringing your best, you always need the top up of God. And when God tops up, that's what it means when you say that God, in spite of me giving my all, I know it will still fall short. But when you top up, nothing can stop us. That's what it means to be, to be poor in spirit. And when you come to God in that posture, you inherit, you become part of, you get citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Right? In other words, since when do we think of the gospel as good news to the poor? In other words, can I say this? If we think of the gospel as good news to the poor, it's like going to people and saying that for all of you guys who have been struggling so hard, good news, Jesus does this differently. For all of you guys who find that you never have access to the best and most powerful things, good news, the best power has come and it's coming from a, from a vantage point where you have access. In other words, if you have been struggling, if you have been dying, if you have been uh, 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 really having a really wrecked year, good news comes to you. Good news is being proclaimed to the poor. And let's, let's look at the next one as well, right? Um, good news to the poor, liberty to the captives. I, I shared with you just now, it's not just about physical captivity because physical captivity, 500 years and it was never truly fulfilled. So what does it mean to call for liberty to captives? And the fourth one, right? Liberty to the oppressed. It's almost poetic, right? Like A, B, C, D, right? The, the, the B and the D is like, it's like one theme, right? Liberty to the captives, liberty to the oppressed. Friends, they waited for a, for, for, for a human political saviour, that was not Jesus. He, had, he was not interested. In fact, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my people would be fighting, fighting to set me free. But he said, my kingdom is not of this world. And so, what is his kingdom like? He sets captives, people who are captive to what? Let's list down some of the things that people can be captive to, right? Um, captive to, to, I've seen people captive to demonic powers. I've seen them set free. In my time uh, 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 serving in church, I've had the privilege of seeing numerous people, okay, eyes rolling back, voice change, you know, kind of like, like looking dazed, looking like they're gone or super, super strength, you know, like, like, you know, and all that. I've seen these people set free from demonic powers. And where have we seen that before? In the Gospels. Go look at the, your Gospels, right? So many people set free from demonic powers. I'll give you just one, right? Uh, remember the demon-possessed guy who was living in the graveyards? When Jesus comes, he sets that kind of captivity free. 
And what else? Captivity to sickness. Church, we've all seen it happen before. We pray for someone who, who is going through uh, 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 some kind of sickness, some kind of illness, and out of the miraculous grace and mercy of God, we see them healed. And, and we've shared this before, that if you, if you want to hear more about this, another sermon we've shared before, Miraculous Church. Miracles, the miraculous is not an entitlement. It is not a formula, you know. So it's not like every time we pray, you know, if Tajadi means God is not real, that's not how we approach the miraculous here in this church. But we know that out of God's miraculous and grace and mercy, He does set people free. Let me give you a biblical example, right? Um, the woman with the issue of blood, 12 years. And when the kingdom came and broke into, into her world and she touched the hem of that rope, she was healed. Recovering of sight to the blind. That's another one of those things that set the captivity of blindness, right? I'll get to that in a moment. But, but we've seen the uh, um, blind Bartimaeus crying out, you know, uh, uh, Jesus, son of David, heal me, give me sight. And he got his sight. But I'll give you another one because we know it's not just about physical sight. It's, think about Paul, the apostle Paul, who was spiritually blind all of his youth until his adulthood, early adulthood, and then God struck him with a physical blindness that would last and coincide with his spiritual blindness for that three days. And then at once, with one swoop, God removed both his spiritual and physical blindness. And God does that to remind you and to show you that this word is being fulfilled on this day. Spiritual blindness is being removed from you. Now you can see Captivity to addictions, my friends. I've 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 prayed with a uh, with with a uh, with a guy who's addicted to alcohol, um, and I used to I, I used to pray for him every uh, once in a while when he walks into into main church, and I would pray for him, and I can even on Sunday morning I can smell alcohol on his breath, you know. Um, uh, and and SIB SIB is a church of drunk before dawn, right? Uh, so that's literally my experience with him. I pray with him, I can smell alcohol on him on Sunday morning. And then one day, uh, he came up and by God's power and by God's grace, he came to me and said, Pastor, I'm recovering. I'm not addicted anymore. The Lord is setting me free from this. I've seen, I, I, I've seen uh, uh, friends set free from, from addiction to smoking. I've seen set, uh, 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 guys set free from addiction to pornography. I've seen this setting to, at liberty captives, right? And so this is what happens when the kingdom breaks in, when a new king is in town and the whole old order is being turned around, new great things are breaking in to the world we live in. Recovering of sight to the blind. I just shared with you about, about the Apostle Paul, right? And liberty to the oppressed. Now, now it doesn't mean... It doesn't mean that, um, that the physical oppression and living under tyrannical situations does not experience a touch. What it does mean is that it's not the touch we expected. Let me articulate this. Maybe we spend the whole Christmas time just trying to articulate this. Let me phrase it for you. When you are oppressed and you're waiting for someone to lift you out of physical oppression, 
literally you're living in physical oppression under a government, under a tyrannical uh, a ruler, even maybe even under a physical family structure that is oppressive and tyrannical and, and abusive, right? In some ways, what God does is He puts you into a community of believers who will make a way out for you but what that way out looks like may not be oh let's go overthrow that fella get them out and we establish our new law we saw right uh, during the 400 years that didn't do anything to change things but what it does is the real liberty to the oppressed is that you no longer wait for a political messiah that's liberating because can i tell you this after the last elections and we all caught, got caught up for a little moment there, right? Right? That, wow, we found our political messiah, right? Wow, thank God. Wow, finally, we've got politicians who are going to do this whole thing correctly. And we've got righteous people in government. And two years after that, we realized that there was a whole mixed bag. And then four years after that, we are here. And we realize that if you put your hopes on that kind of salvation, it does not pay off. So the real liberty, now can you imagine if you continue to hang on to the hope that, oh, maybe it'll be AI one more time, you know, maybe it'll be uh, this, maybe the limbs will come out right again, maybe this, whatever. Like if you continue to hang on to that hope and one generation of opposition leaders will move on and a new generation will come up and you will say, oh, these guys are the one and you are essentially in that 400 years of silence waiting for the Hasmonean kingdom, waiting for the, for the, <laughs> the Herodian kingdom, them, waiting for one political saviour after another and that is a form of captivity that chains you to the earthly saviours who will not truly satisfy. So what does real liberty to oppress means? It means that your expectations completely change. You have a new saviour, you know your kingdom, his kingdom is not of this world anymore and so now your hopes are pinned upon this king who gives you and offers you a new way of living in this world in anticipation of a perfect way of living in the next world and that is setting captives free, setting people, Malaysians free from the oppression and captivity of hoping for better politics. Church, do we, do we still participate in the political process? Of course we do. We are super do, right? SIVKR, where God we don't? We do. But where do our hopes lie? Our hopes lie in a king who has inaugurated a different kingdom and the government shall be upon his shoulders and of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. That's not the same as some harapan that is on this earth. It's not the same thing. And the sooner we unshackle ourselves from the captivity of hoping for physical uh, 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 salvation, right, and turn our eyes to a God who is going to give us a new way of living, the better it is for every single one of us. We are entering that one year, one and a half year cycle where elections have to happen by May 23. And you're going to see an increasing and intensification of politics in Malaysia, how are we going to order our hearts to enter 2022, which is essentially like, like build up to campaign year, right? Or maybe campaign year itself, right? How are we going to order our hearts? Continue to hope or the worst, the opposite of that is completely 
get so cheesed off and say, ah, yeah, do one already lah. Yeah, I, I'm so, 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 so sien with all of these people. Forget it. I don't want to participate anymore. Don't want to be a pacha anymore. Don't want to do anything anymore. And then, look, you're just toggling between two extreme ends. And that's not how God has, he, he said, I'm giving you this kingdom so that you can make a difference through the work and through your allegiance to this king. And through your allegiance to that king, the world around us will change. Change. Not change the other way, top down. Change bottom up. When our allegiance to the king causes more and more faithful believers to saturate their workplaces, their schools, their homes, their communities, their neighbourhoods and all those things, when that happens, Malaysia truly does change. Is it slower? Oh my gosh, my friends, way slower. Way slower. Do you need more patience? Oh, you need maybe about the same amount of patience because the other one is just, it's just different kind of patience, right? But church, there is no other way that will pay out. No other way is going to pay out. Only the way of Christ. Now, let me, let, let me get into the rest of this. Because my, you know what? I could preach about the kingdom of Jesus for many hours. And I don't have many hours today. So I've decided we're going to do this the whole year. Right? We're going to do this the whole year. So if you can just click to the next slide, I'm going to show you uh, one more verse. It says here, um, In that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book. And out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in Yahweh. And the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. This is what it means. The poor shall get good news. For the ruthless, remember I told you, okay? Now I'm not talking about those who just are, I mean, look, I know some amazing people amazing people who have great access uh, um, to great resource and they are the they are some of the people i really admire the most because they have all that resource and they could do anything about it but they're giving it away to the lord regularly i'm so so in so so much respect and honor for people like that but when i say that jesus kingdom flips everything over i'm talking about the ruthless shall come to nothing. The scoffers shall cease and all who watch to do evil shall be cut off. Now, let's jump a couple of slides because I want to share this with you. This year, because we are going to take the kingdom of God, I want to do this year-long teaching about what it means for us, for the kingdom to be breaking into our world, what it means for Jesus to be king. We're going to go into two seasons of kingdom preaching, okay? Now until through February, we're going to do season one, okay? And then sometime later in the year, September, November, we're going to do season two. And I was just driving this morning and telling Athalia that I feel tempted to add more, right? Because I've just been preparing this. So don't worry about that, okay? For now, this is what our pulpit is going to look like this year and my hope is that if you stay here and my hope is that you do and you get plugged in you go to cells and you follow this in cells you know if you're a cell leader you know uh, we're going to roll out some kind of support and notes for you um, uh, so that you can get into this and discuss and pray through how this is going to work every day of your lives in your cell groups right if you are in our prayer team and you pray regularly with us we're going to pray into the reality that kingdom is breaking in through us and we're going to pray into this this year yeah, right? Two seasons of kingdom preaching. Now, this is one whole side of what happens when Jesus inaugurates his kingdom. And there is another side to it as well. And I'm going to share that with you now. And what happens then is that as he breaks in 
and kingdom explodes on the outside, spiritual formation takes place on the inside. And sometimes we only see that and we think, wow, so exciting. Do, 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 do. Or maybe you've been burnt out in church and you say, wow, so exhausting. Do, 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 you know. And neither of that is the right way to think about this. When kingdom comes, Jesus is going to grow every single one of us holistically. In other words, he's going to do something in you to, to, to have an impact in the world around you, but he is going to at the same time do something inside of you. And frankly, the pattern of the Bible I see is not that he takes you away and then he does all the spiritual formation for you already and then he says, okay, then I send you into the world. That's not the biblical pattern. The biblical pattern is that he sends you out and then he does something inside you and then he keeps on sending you out and then he keeps doing something inside you. So for me to order this as point one and point two might be misleading because it makes you think that one and the two happen at separate times. And in reality, they are interspersed with one another and your entire walk with God this year, the next year and always will be an interspersing of an activity in the kingdom to see it become real and the activity in your heart and in your spirit where it is becoming real for you first and those two will also dovetail in a way that means that you cannot say i'm going to be a hermit and i'm just going to now there will be seasons you might want to take time out to do that but you know what that won't sustain you and the reality is that you're gonna, we are all going to have to learn what it means to have spiritual formation taking place on a regular and habitual basis. Now, I want to say one more thing before I launch into this. When we think about kingdom breaking in and Jesus as king, it's quite interesting that sometimes we, we see Christmas Right? Our, 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 our yearly celebration, our big days, Christmas, arrival of Jesus, Jesus as a baby. And then Easter and Good Friday is Jesus dying on the cross, being resurrected. And then we just see these two things and sometimes we think, actually, what's happening in between? Huh? Oh yeah, he went around, he did a bunch of miracles. But then maybe some people say, oh, that's not for us anymore. You know, um, at least not at the level Jesus did. And then some of us say it is, right? And then some people say, oh, he was a good teacher. And we don't really know what to do with that window between his birth and his death and resurrection. And then the best, our best effort is we take some of the teachings and then we try to be taught by it but the reality is much greater and bigger and important for our daily lives what happens in between is that he is launching a new way of living and that new way of living is extremely relevant to how we live in this new way of living and so my friends throughout this year what's going to happen is you're going to see in between birth of Jesus in December and then like birth of Jesus by next year, what we're going to do is to learn how it means to live like kingdom people with the cross as the centerpiece. And so you will hear me say this over and over again. The cross is at the center of God doing the atoning work, right? The cross is at the center of Him forgiving us of our sins.
but the cross is also at the centre of him inaugurating his new way of living. In other words, and you'll hear me say this another day, atonement and enthronement meet on the cross. The cross is the centrepiece for all the forgiving and the atoning work and for all the kingdom work, the enthroning work of God. All those things meet on the cross. In other words, when you gaze upon the cross and you go to the cross of Jesus Christ, you see both his sacrifice and his coronation. It is both his sacrifice and his coronation. He is both slain lamb and lion king, so to speak, at the same point. And so this year, if you have never thought of the cross as the coronation of Jesus, this year we're going to see the cross as the coronation of Jesus. And boy, was he crowned, not the way we thought a king ought to be crowned. He was crowned with a crown of thorns, a crown of suffering. And his coronation, which everyone thought would be grand and resplendent, was humble and, and offensive. And that's our king. So now with that, let's move on. This is the king. Having broken in, is going to do amazing work. I want to show you Mark chapter 1. Because Mark chapter 1, sometimes you read Mark, and you say, so I just have to check the time. Okay, it's 11.11. I have to move on quick, okay? Okay, um, you see Mark, Gospel of Mark. You say, wow, Gospel of Mark, Jesus is constantly acting. Pam, 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 pam. It's true. It's absolutely true. I'm going to show you that in a moment. But if you say that the Gospel of Mark is only about Jesus doing things, you would be very mistaken. The Gospel of Mark is about Jesus doing things and taking breaks in between to be replenished and to also show us what spiritual formation looks like in the midst of an active kingdom. Mark chapter 1, Jesus begins his ministry in verse 14. By verse 16, he has called his disciples. In 20, verse 25, he's healed a man with an unclean spirit. He heals Simon's mother-in-law. And by verse 33, the whole city has gathered outside the house. They can't even do anything. Okay. In other words, kingdom explosion is really taking place. He's healing many people, casting out many demons. And in verse 35, and rising early in the morning while it was dark, still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. My friends, you want to firewall your desolate place where you can pray. You want to firewall your desolate place where you can find solitude, where you can center yourself in Christ, where you can hear His voice, where you can, uh, I'm going to show that, where you can even adore Him all over again. Because guess what? When that window opens for you, don't take it for granted that that window is going to stay open for long. If a window for solitude opens up to you, for when a window for connection with Christ opens up for you, take it. Take it, my friends. Take it and don't delay in taking it because that window can close very quickly. Okay? I'm a parent. That window closes when the kids wake up. And they're like, ah! And my window closes, right? So, so it, and for you, it might be, it can be a phone call that immediately draws you into something else. It could be a disaster happening at work and you suddenly have to go and deal with it. That window opens and closes. But to steward that window well, when it opens, take it. Take it. 2022 is the year. Whenever the window opens, take it. He departed. This Verse 35 is a small window. Huh? Can I tell you? It's a small window. 
And rising early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. You know why it's such a small window? I'm going to show you. Next slide. Within verse 1, he immediately has to cleanse a leper after that. And then chapter 2, right? Sorry, within chapter 1, he has to cleanse a leper. And then in chapter 2, he heals a paralytic, eats with outcasts, and gets accused and questioned by all his critics. In chapter 3 of Mark, he heals a man with a withered hand. Everyone is crowding around him. And then he has to do so much ministry work. He appoints uh, the 12 apostles. He has to face such a huge crowd when he gets home. And then cannot accuse one more time, you know, by, for, well, worse, uh, by you're your, your acting on demonic powers, you know. Chapter 4, he does his teaching. Some Sounds like church life, sounds like SIBKL life, right? So many things to do. You're teaching, you're healing, you're praying, you're visiting people, you're caring for people, you're eating with people, and you cannot criticize, you cannot accuse. Sounds like your life in any church, lah, for that matter. And then you calm some storm somewhere. Jesus calms a storm, heals a man with a demon, heals a woman with the issue of blood, raises the dead, rejected in his kampong, sends out the twelve, and then the traumatic thing. His own cousin, which I talked to you all about at the start, his cousin dies. Hey, friends, sometimes it feels like, wow, kingdom work, you do so much, quite thankless, everybody hate your guts, you know, and then the people you love go through trouble and trauma, and for him, John the Baptist, his own cousin, has to die. He's experiencing all these things. By chapter 6, my friends, if this is your employer, employee, I think you want to give this fella like a one-year bonus and you want to tell this guy, please carry over all your leave into 2022, right? Like if this, but frankly, if this was you, maybe by the time John, Baptist, John the Baptist is beheaded, you resign already. Maybe you call the pastor and you say, Pastor, I don't want to serve anymore. This is just too much. I'm done. I'm done. This is too much. But Jesus gives us a pattern. So after all this kingdom work, and I don't want you to frame it as kingdom work is so tiring and so lousy and so terrible, right? But in the midst of all this, let's look at the next slide. In chapter 6, verse 31, right? He said to his disciples, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Remember, I told you fireproof your little window, fireproof your window. Verse 31, the window opens again. He tells them, come away. And then within verse 31, for many were coming and going. They had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. And in that time, spiritual formation continues to take place. They pray, they worship, they adore God, they hear from God, they become sharp in their discernment, they become sensitive in their hearing, they watch for their nation, they watch for their people, and they do all of these things. And then, guess what? Bang! The window opens again. Next, next slide. Feed 5,000 people. That's what happened immediately after this. Verse 45, immediately he made his disciples. Again, right? After feed 5,000 people and, and then Jesus walks on water and immediately he makes his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave, again, he went up on the mountain to pray. My friends, if you look at the next slide, these are the things we are going to be doing in the interspersing of all the kingdom activity, do we want to pray for the sick? Yes. Do we want to see uh, 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 blind eyes open? Yes. Do we want to see kingdom explode in Sungai Bulo and in our homes and all throughout Klang Valley? Yes. And interspersed throughout. Your own spiritual formation, and I've just listed this four, right? But it's not an exhaustive list. 
Find solitude in Christ. This is your devotion time. This is your intimacy time. This is your time to really shut out the world and go into that desolate place which Jesus did and which I'm telling you, you have to firewall it. You have to fireproof it. You cannot let anything come in and draw you out. It must have gates that cannot be broken down. Your solitude. Pay careful attention to that. Your prayer life. And I know when I say prayer life, I know everybody's thinking praying for my needs. And I know Sungai Buloh Church will be interceding for many people. But I added two more words here. You're watching. Watch for the nation. Watch for the land. Watch for the church. Hear from God. Know what He's doing. And a watcher, a watchman, right, is, has their eyes on the horizon to see the threat coming in. So you see it from far. You have a high vantage point. Watchmen don't hang on the ground. Watchmen are on the watchtower. And when you're on the watchtower, you look at the... Uh, at your attention is always on what's happening on the horizon. Why? As a watchman in your praying time, you see from God's vantage point and you see ahead of everybody else who doesn't see from God's vantage point. And when you see it, you know how to prepare the rest of the people for what's coming up. That's what it means by what. And friends, it's not just watching, it's also your groaning. Groaning me, hey, don't think Christians don't grow in prayer. You groan super a lot in prayer. And if you're not groaning in prayer, there's a very high chance that you are not authentic enough in your prayer. Because life is hard and you should be able to go to God and be fully open, fully transparent, fully yourself in all your words and just lament before Him. So, my beloved church, we will practice and we started here and it will be a culture in our church that you can lament to God. You don't have to PR in front of God. You don't have to stand before God and pretend it's not like He doesn't know anyway. So church, in our solitude, in our prayer, in our worship, so that you can adore Him, so that you can celebrate Him, so that you can express, you find expression uh, uh, to tell God you love Him. And some of us are, are, are good with words and that comes easy. And some of us are not so good with words and, and you prefer if someone gave you the words for it and that's okay. But your posture of adoring Him. And finally, to grow in wisdom, to grow in decision. And I know many of us are standing at crossroads and we've got big decisions. To grow in discernment. Right? And to grow all of these things this year, interspersed with our Kingdom series, is going to be a wisdom series from the pulpit. And from the pulpit, it will spread out into your, your cell life, it will spread out into our prayer altars, it will spread out into how we do church. And so, if you can see the next slide, right? Um, our wisdom series will take us, first, season one of wisdom, we're going to be preaching on Proverbs and Psalms. In fact, one of the things we notice is that actually these days nobody preaches on Proverbs anymore. And maybe it's because it feels too simplistic. I don't know, like one line saying the opposite thing and it's like, okay, okay. And maybe we become more complex as a people. I don't know. I don't have an explanation, but hang in there because when we get into our wisdom series, okay, we're going to really learn how to mine wisdom uh, from the proverb, how to find a voice 
to both groan and delight in God in the Psalms. And then in season two of our wisdom series, we're going to break into Ecclesiastes, you know, to understand well, this maddening world and whether anything makes sense at all. Right? We're going to go into Ecclesiastes. And guess what? We're going to spend two weeks in Song of Solomon, okay? Because, because, because why? Because we believe the entire scripture must be preached. Last year, we spent quite a lot of time in, in uh, Major Prophet of Ezekiel, right? This year, we're going to get into this because I want all of us to grow in our devotional life. And to grow in your devotional life, you must have a bank of word in you and you must have a lens in front of you so that you can go into the Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, maybe even Job, you know, um, and in order for you to go into these things and say, I see God when I look into my scriptures. So my friends, we've come full circle. And in a moment, we're going to partake of Holy Communion. But my friends, I want us to be able to see this. That earlier, when we sang the song, Heart of Worship, there was a verse that says, King of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. He's the King of endless worth. He is our King. His kingdom is breaking in. Right? And the worth of his kingdom far outstrips the worth of anything else in this place. We can take the slides off, you know, because I want to see everybody. It says, King of endless worth, no one can express how much you deserve. And then the next line, though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours. Every single breath, blessed are the weak and poor, right? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. My friends, I want to open the altar in a moment. We're going to partake of communion first. But after that, I want to open the altar so that for all of us who say, Lord, this year, I really want to set apart this year and, and consecrate, take you seriously. And if there are any parts of my life, this year is the year. I really want to set it apart for you. And then another voice in your head saying, I've said that many times. Every year I also say this is the year, right? It's okay. It's okay. You want to know something? Jesus says, this is the year of the Lord's favour. Jubilee in Christ is no longer a 50th year thing. And why I emphasise 50th, it means that on the 51st year, no longer Jubilee, ma, right? In the old way, 51st year is back reset. Then you start your normal way, you start collecting slaves, and you start doing all those things again. No. When Jesus says, that we have started the year of Jubilee, it means that we now live in a time, in an extended period of His grace and His goodness. We are living in Jubilee. The kingdom has inaugurated. 2021 was a year of Jubilee, whether we took it as one or not. 2022 is a year of Jubilee. This is the year of the Lord's favour. But it doesn't stop at 22. 23 will be a year of the Lord's favour as well. So I'm just using the first service of the year to frame this for you, but it's not as if 2022 is a special Jubilee year. It's not. You know what? All this, oh, this is the 50th year of A and the 50th year of B and therefore it's Jubilee. You know what? That's not so important. Can I be frank with you? Don't go and jump at this uh, numerological thing and say, oh, 50 years, so meaningful and all that. For all the people I've seen who jump at all these things, guess what? By June, they weren't ordering their lives around, uh, 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 around, uh, around Jubilee anymore. They weren't ordering their lives around setting capsules free. You know why? Because that does not. Just finding this special year, special year here and there, you know, it's not what Jesus meant. 
What Jesus meant is that from now onwards, Jubilee, setting your captives free from here on end. And one of the most important parts of his kingdom breaking in is that meal that he had with his disciples. Because at that meal, he reminds them that this will be the memory for you, the reminder for you that your kingdom has broken in even after I leave. You know who your king is. For now, I want you to even bring the whole year before the Lord and say, God, this year, I want to make it special. This year, I want to step out of the doldrums. I want to step out from the lethargy. I want to step out from the pain. I want to step out from the, from the, from the distraction. I want to step into your river. I want to step into your flow, into your focus. I want to step into the power of your kingdom breaking out among us. And I want to step into this work that you are doing deep in my spirit. And I want to avail myself to you. Church, we have a king. He is not like any other king. Church, I hope you're being prayed for right now. I hope that many of you are... Um, are being ministered to if if any of you um, are looking for prayer and and you're waiting um, in a for a room to be open for you it's okay it's just like it's just like standing in a queue uh, for ministry as well but if not then uh, then I just want to say a general prayer for all of us right now as we start the year father I thank you for my dear friends my brothers my sisters my dear friends who are in church today I just pray father God that this year will be a year of your favor of your goodness and your mercy i pray father god that you will take any one of us with a weakness when we come to you though i'm weak and poor all i have is yours all i have is yours and in the same way that that the um that that the the publican prayed in the bible this, this sinner just prayed and said help me god for i am a sinner have mercy on me a sinner have mercy on me a sinner Lord, have mercy on all of us. And I pray, Father God, that this year, I just pray a supernatural power and a supernatural anointing and a, a ability to hold on to King Jesus, to hold on to King Jesus, so that wherever He goes, that we will follow, that we will hold on, we hold on to His arm, we hold on to His hem, we hold on to His, to his presence, we hold on even if we have to hold on to His shadow, we hold on to His shadow, but we will follow Christ everywhere He goes. And I pray Holy Spirit will just cause a desperation to rise up in us, so that whether we we have much or we have little we will all be the poor in spirit to whom will be given the kingdom of god so father i thank you and i just pray and invite uh, uh, your power and your holy spirit to come and be with us and draw us into a journey with you throughout this year we give you thanks we exalt you we praise you in Jesus' name. We pray and all of God's people shout aloud, Amen. Amen.